This is episode number 48 with Evan Brand. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Before I introduce today's guest, I want to tell you two very exciting things. You can now pre-order my next book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And if you pre-order before the 18th of December, you can get your hands on some epic bonuses such as retreats, juju cups, hotels, jade eggs, organic makeup, a Holden car for a weekend, books, meditations, and even a scholarship to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. How epic is that? All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide. And on that page, you will find all the details to pre-order and claim your bonuses. So head there now. The second super exciting announcement is that my husband and I are collaborating to bring you the Open Wide Tour around Australia in January and February 2018. This is a celebration of Nick's music and to celebrate the release of my next book, Open Wide. Now imagine a TED Talk meets Coldplay concert. It's a fusion of music, meditation and motivation and you can get your tickets for that at nickandmelissa.com. Evan Brand is an author, podcast host, and board-certified holistic nutritionist, certified functional medical practitioner, and nutritional therapist. He is super passionate about healing the chronic fatigue, obesity, and depression epidemics after solving his own IBS and depression issues. He uses at-home lab testing and customized supplement programs to find and fix the root causes of a wide range of health symptoms. In today's episode, we chat about his journey to becoming a functional medicine practitioner, the long-term side effects of stress, how stress eats away at your brain, muscle tissue, and causes leaky gut, why you want to take all the notifications off your phone and computer today, the four different types of stress and why you need to understand them, the reason why you want to eat 100% organic and avoid chemicals and plastic in your home, why CrossFit may not be the best thing for you, how to support your adrenal glands, why you need to avoid energy vampires, the power of EFT, how stress affects your mood, mind, and yes, your mojo, the link between stress and your gut, the basic things that you can do today to bust stress, how to rewire your brain, 
the most advanced biohacks for stress, psychedelics for stress busting, plus so much more. This episode is a must listen for every single person. We all deal with stress. We all need to calm our nervous system and take charge of our life. So this episode is for you. And for everything that we mention in the podcast today, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 48. So I am so excited. Let's bring on the amazing Evan Brand. Evan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Hey, Melissa. It's a total pleasure. Yes, this morning I did some local organic bacon. I did a handful of macadamia nuts and a small handful of organic blueberries. I think that was it. That's a pretty typical breakfast, some type of pastured pastured meat. Sometimes I'll do like a collagen protein shake, sometimes like a grass-fed whey protein shake, sometimes organic pea protein shake. Really just depends on the day. You know, some days it's lighter, some days it's a heavier breakfast, but that's that's a typical day. Mm, Yummo. Sounds good. Now you are a functional medicine practitioner and you have helped over 2,000 people around the world. Can you tell us about your journey and how you got to doing the work that you do today and how you got here? Sure. Always the funnest part. Uh, I was depressed as long as I could remember. I remember being five, six, seven years old and having a cloud over my head. I felt like there was a cap to my happiness where I looked around at even at other kids and I thought, well, how are they so happy? They're so giggly and so silly. What What's wrong with me to where I can't feel that way? And once you grow up, you realize, okay, this could be depression or this could be anxiety or this could be insomnia. But as a kid and as a teenager, you don't really realize what's normal and what's not. And when I got into business school, which that was a complete waste of time, if anybody's curious, uh, I went to business school where they teach you nothing about running your own business. And I quickly realized that my energy levels were continuing to get worse. I was working third shift to pay for college. I was working at UPS where they have a basically a school program where if you work night shift, they will pay for your college. And so I thought, huh, let's avoid debt. Sounds like a good idea. I was working basically midnight to 5 a.m. Destroyed my circadian rhythm, which we can talk about. Destroyed my adrenals affected my gut health, depression got worse, energy got worse, and ended up moving to Austin, Texas. I worked for a supplement company for a couple of years. And while I was in Texas with my now wife, I lost 25 pounds without trying. And I got pretty scared. I didn't have 25 pounds to lose. And I thought, well, what what is this? And started talking to several other practitioners. I was running my functional medicine clinic on the side at the time. I wasn't full-time with that yet. And I had a lot of good contacts with people in the health space. And I went to a buddy of mine's house in Austin and he took one look at me and he said, Evan, you've got parasites. And I said, how do you know? And he said, well, look at you. He's like, "You're, you're kind of falling apart. He said, you're losing muscle tone. He said, your posture is not looking as good. He said, look at your fingernails. He said, you've got vertical ridges. You've got these vertical lines on the surface of your fingernails. He goes, something is stealing your nutrients. And I'm like, okay, you know, point taken. 
And it took me a few months to actually listen to him and run a functional medicine uh, DNA, what they call a DNA PCR-based stool test, which is about a thousand times more sensitive than what a conventional doctor or even a gastroenterologist is going to run. Their technology is simply 20 to 30 years outdated. And so you got to run a specialty lab. So that's what I did. I now run that test for obvious reasons on every new client that I work with. And it turns out I had two parasite infections called Giardia and Cryptosporidium. And I also had several bacterial infections and I also had Candida. So I had a massive yeast overgrowth in the gut, massive bacterial infections and also parasites, as well as H. pylori, which is a type of bacteria that causes ulcers and stomach cancers. And so... I worked with my friend. We created a protocol together using herbs. We knocked out the infections. The weight loss stopped. I regained most of that weight, was able to get back into exercise where I was able to actually put on muscle mass. Again, no matter how much work I put in, I wasn't able to gain muscle because I was getting robbed of my nutrients. Mood symptoms went away. Neurotransmitters came back into balance. Sleep improved. Sex drive got back to normal. Moods got brighter. Brain function got better. Brain fog went away. I mean, everything just really, really changed once I found the infections first and then once I treated those and everything's been better since. And now on a daily basis, I just got off the phone with a client before you and I jumped on a call together and I saw a woman with three parasites. And so this is so, so common. And I consider everyone guilty till proven innocent. Because it's so common and people say, well, I haven't traveled out of Australia or I haven't traveled out of the U.S. And I say, well, it doesn't matter. Look at your food. You get an organic apple and it could be from Peru or from Chile or you could get some bananas from Colombia, right? So everyone is an international traveler just due to supermarket food and and produce that's been shipped thousands of miles. So you could potentially have something regardless of whether you've ever left your home state or not. Oh my gosh. So how long did you do that night shift? How many years was that? That was about two and a half years. Wow, wow, wow. And the stress that that would have caused on your body, your nervous system would have just been so enormous. And we all know that stress is not good for us, but what is it actually doing to our body? What are the long-term side effects of stress on our body? Yeah, great question. So there's a couple different ways we can break this answer down. First, we'll start with the brain. Well, let's go north to south with this. Let's go top to bottom of the body. So the brain's going to be affected in several ways. You've got two hippocampi. So hippocampus, that's a part of the brain. It's the memory center of the brain. This is the part of the brain that converts short-term memory into long-term memory. And so If you speak with someone who they go into a a room and they say, why did I come into this room? I forgot. Or I know you're my best friend. I can't think of your name. Or where did I put my keys? Or where's my wallet? I'm always losing my wallet. Where is it? That's a sign that the hippocampus is starting to get destroyed. Now, all of us have heard about cortisol. So cortisol is a stress hormone. It's produced in the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands are about the size of a walnut. They sit on top of your kidneys. The name adrenal gland means adrenal, renal being kidney. So on top of kidney glands is what that means. And these small little glands are responsible for the health of our nervous system. So the fight or flight sympathetic mode of your nervous system that should rarely be used, but is so overused in the modern world because we're always switched on. uh, That mode of the nervous system gets activated when 
you have other sources of stress. So for me, night shift, when you're going to bed at 5 a.m. with the sunrise, that's a massive stress. Cortisol is supposed to peak in the morning and cortisol is supposed to gradually drop during the day. So imagine your smartphone battery. You want it fully charged in the morning and then you want that battery to drain throughout the day. But most people, they have what's called an inverse cortisol pattern where cortisol is too low in the morning. It's like waking up without charging your phone. Everybody freaks out. And then all of a sudden at night, they're wired and tired and the cortisol's flipped. Now, what the cortisol is doing to the brain is it's marinating the hippocampus. It's marinating these cells in the brain and it destroys them. And uh, you can talk with likely a, um, a mortician or maybe someone who does autopsies and there's reports of hippocampus looking like Swiss cheese and cortisol is a catabolic hormone so it eats things away. Just like if you over-exercise, if you're a CrossFitter and you're doing too much intense training, eventually you get diminishing return on your investment of exercise. So cortisol will eat away muscle tissue and it'll also eat away the brain. So that's the first part. Now let's move further south. Let's go into the gut. When we talk about the gut, everyone talks about leaky gut, and I'm glad everyone talks about it, at least in our little bubble, people talk about it. Uh, leaky gut's the kind of the generic term for intestinal permeability. That means that the tight junctions, which is a one cell lining in your stomach and the lining of your intestines, those tight junctions have been separated. So if you interlace your fingers like you're praying, you pull those fingers apart. Now you've got spaces in between these fingers. That's leaky gut. What that allows is undigested food particles and other toxins access to the bloodstream. Once that happens, that sets the, sa the, the, the stage for autoimmune disease. If you hear about Hashimoto's, that's an autoimmune thyroid disease. That could all stem and start just from stress. So you're like, whoa, where are you going, Evan? Well, this all starts with stress. So a bad boss, a bad spouse, um, you know, kids that are stressing you out, poor sleep habits, etc. Stress is the first domino. Once stress hits, cortisol production goes up at first to deal with the stressor. Your body doesn't know the difference between a cell phone notification, ding, or a bear. Your nervous system is ancient. All it knows is fight or flight. So if it hears a ding of an email, maybe that's a bad email. So the nervous system is going to activate and that repetitive release of cortisol tears that tight junction apart in the gut. The undigested food gets into the bloodstream. The immune system gets confused. It tries to attack these food particles, but by accident, it can attack the joints. And now you've got rheumatoid arthritis or multiple sclerosis, or it attacks the thyroid. And now you've got Hashimoto's disease. And all this could stem just from stress that tore apart that tight junction in the gut. Holy moly. Okay. So it's pretty serious. It eats away your brain. It eats away at muscle tissue, causes leaky gut, which causes a whole lot of other issues. But what about for the people who, you know, might not feel stressed? There's obviously stressful things like if you're in a car accident and, you know, or you hurt yourself, you fall down the stairs. Like that's a very traumatic and stressful incident. But for someone who's who is just like moving through their day with this underlying stress and they're like, I'm not stressed because that used to be me. I used to walk around saying, I'm not stressed, I'm not stressed. But my nervous system was stressed and there was so much cortisol and I was in constant fight or flight. So what would you say to those people who don't necessarily feel like they're stressed? Yeah, I love it. You're thinking deep right from the start. This is why I like you already. Uh, so most people say that. They say, Evan, I'm not stressed. I don't feel stressed. Here's the problem. Most people, 
they've been playing ding dong ditch. I don't know if that game's popular in Australia, but as a kid, that's what we do. You go ring somebody's doorbell and then you run and the people answer and you hide in the bush and you watch them answer the door and then you start laughing. Most people are playing ding dong ditch with their hormones. They've been pressing that button. So they're checking Facebook 20 times a day. They're scrolling on Instagram all day. They're checking their email a thousand times. They've got their notifications on. So ding, ding, ding every five minutes. It doesn't matter if you actually feel the stress of that. It's your nervous system. So this is a subconscious response. Now, another part of the brain is that we need to discuss in terms of stress is called the amygdala. And this is a very centrally located part of the brain. It's very small. And the amygdala is your fight or flight response. It is the filter that filters whether something is a stressful event or not. And this is not up to you. This is subconscious. This happens within fractions of a millisecond. So it's not like you can say, I'm not stressed by that cell phone notification. It doesn't work that way. The amygdala makes a decision far faster than your prefrontal cortex, that front part of the brain that's kind of our decision-making part of the brain. Before you can make a decision, the decision's already been made, whether something is stressful. And so when we're talking about PTSD, right, we're talking about like post-traumatic stress disorder from car wrecks. Uh, I've worked with hundreds of veterans that have been in uh, various wars. Their amygdala and someone who has been chronically stressed, and that could be chronically stressed from something they didn't know about, like parasites, what happens is the amygdala actually grows in size and the amygdala grows in sensitivity. So what will happen is now you've got an amygdala that is overreacting. So now you're the type of person who things didn't used to bother you. And here's an example from my life. I was in the movie theater a couple, maybe what, three, four years ago. And this is when I knew something was wrong with, with my amygdala. Now I didn't know right away, oh my gosh, that's my amygdala. But I knew that my fear center of the brain was, was not working properly. I was in the movie called Captain Phillips. Tom Hanks movie, a movie about a true story where the captain of the ship is out at sea and I believe it was pirates from Somalia come in and they commandeer the ship and super violent, super action-packed movie. I had to, I had to leave the, the movie theater. I had a panic attack right in the middle of that movie and I'm not an anxious person by nature so it completely caught me off guard. My heart was pounding. I started to feel like I was faint and I was going to pass out. I ran out to the bathroom to try to go put some water in my face and I told my wife, I said, babe, I'm not going to make it. I, I've got to go. We, we got to leave. And so luckily we were able to get a refund and, and get our money back. It was at that point, this was before I had the diagnosis of the parasites and all those infections, I knew something was off and it had been due to the chronic stress I was under for so long, moving away from my family, having these gut bugs, not sleeping well, etc. My amygdala was, was not good. And this is so common for many people that it takes a massive trigger for them to realize something's wrong. So they wait until they get fired and then they have a breakdown or they have a divorce or they have a breakup or a car wreck happens or there's a death in the family and there's just something, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. That's when most people come to me is after there was already a catastrophic event and then they realize something's wrong. But my advice to people is be proactive about it because even if you don't feel stressed, you can get yourself tested. You can use a six-point saliva test. You can run your adrenal hormones. You can check your 24-hour cortisol rhythm and you can make sure that your adrenal pattern is the way it's supposed to be, which is highest in the morning and then lowest at night. Not the opposite, which is most people, where it's too low in the morning and high at night. They call that an inverse cortisol pattern where you're wired and tired as soon as you lay your pillow, you know, as soon as you lay your pillow down and go to bed. You don't want that. 
Mm. Now I'm curious to know, do you still, uh, can you handle those loud traumatic um, movies now or is it still something that you avoid? Because for me personally, I just don't enjoy that stuff, you know, and it, and it does shake my nervous system a little bit. Like even going to the cinema, it's too loud. Like I just think, oh gosh, does it have to be that loud? <laughs> so I'm curious to know, like, have you adapted? Can you sit in a very loud cinema now and not be affected? Or is it something that you still avoid? Right. Awesome question. So yes, I, I've been able to heal my adrenals. I do do some type of daily adaptogenic herb, whether it's like a reishi mushroom or an ashwagandha or holy basil, shajandra. You know, there's so many different things we could talk about. I keep myself pretty resilient. Uh, I did go to the movies. I've got a little 16-month-old little girl, so it's hard to leave the wife and the baby and go to the movies now, but I did go see one of the recent Star Wars movies with my brother like six months ago, super intense, super loud, and I was just fine. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a good sign. But I agree. I'm like you. I typically avoid super loud, super intense situations. And it's not that I have to, but I just choose to because I feel much better if I were to just go to a float tank or go schedule a massage or do some yoga or go for a hike in the woods. That's just that's just more my vibe now where before I used to seek out things that were stimulating, you know, loud music and fast cars. And I still love fast cars, but, you know, I was I was seeking that stimulation. I was pushing that adrenal button where now I try to avoid pressing that button, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I'm the same as you. I don't put, I don't have any dings that come up on my computer or my phone. I have all of my notifications turned off. I never have my phone off silent. It's always on silent because for me, it's just like that ringing and that dinging. I just do not enjoy it. So for me, that's something that I actively avoid and it makes such a difference. As soon as I turned all those notifications off, I just literally felt my nervous system calm down, which gosh, I'm going to lean towards anything that is going to help do that. That's for sure. Yeah. So my wife and I, we actually just got back uh, this past weekend. We went to Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It's in Tennessee and it's about 500,000 acres. It's very difficult to get cell phone service there. You know, there's very few places on the planet now, maybe uh, third world countries and such where cell phone service, even then, who who knows? I'm not sure. Uh, but here in the US, at least, it's very rare to be in a spot where there's no cell phone service. And so I just said, well, I might as well just keep my phone in airplane mode anyway, because there's no sense because I'm not going to receive calls or text or anything anyway. And I, I got addicted to it. By the end of the weekend, I said, babe, this whole no, me being off the grid thing, not even being able to be reached is, is a pretty good feeling. I might just leave my phone in airplane mode 24 seven now. And we just kind of laughed about it because for so long, even in our lives, what, just until the past 10 years or so, we weren't, we weren't available to be reached. And now we're always on. Somebody could always just text you or you never know when that phone call could come in. So for me, you know, part of Healing the adrenals and part of staying sane in the modern world is to fully basically shut off and try to prevent yourself from being reachable. And some people may say, oh, well, you're just making yourself a recluse. You can't hide from the world. And it's not that. It's just that you're trying to be strategic about when you're on, you're fully on. You're fully engaged into the matrix. You're working. You're doing podcasts. You're doing interviews. You're doing consultations. And then when I'm off, I'm fully off. I, I try to not have one foot in and one foot out at the same time. 
Great advice. That's something that I'm always working on as well. Aeroplane mode is one of the best functions. And most of the time during the day, my phone is on aeroplane unless I am checking my social media or I am making a phone call. So if I sit down, like you said, I sit down and I am all in. And then the other time it is it is on aeroplane mode and it's in the other room and I try and just be either all on or all off. So um, I can totally, I can totally relate. But uh, you know, for most people, when they think of stress, what probably comes to mind is stress from work or money or a relationship. And in your book, you talk about the four different types of stress, nutritional, environmental, physical, and emotional. Can you tell us about these four different types of stress? Yeah. So nutritional stress, the the biggest thing here is going to be blood sugar imbalances. So the typical person, and I'm assuming it's the same in Australia. I've had quite a lot of clients in Australia that tell me that the quote-unquote standard Australian diet could be similar to the standard American diet, processed foods and refined cooking oils and and carbohydrate-rich. And so that's, that's the real problem in the modern world because these foods are very new. We did not evolve to have these foods. They're very hyper stimulating, but they're also very insulin driving. So when you eat sugar, or you eat processed carbohydrates, the pancreas kicks in, it secretes insulin, and that's to help you deal with the excess blood sugar. So insulin gets secreted, that shoves the sugar into the fat cells and gets it out of the blood. Now the problem is most people are on a blood sugar roller coaster. So they're eating every two to three hours, they're burning carbohydrates and sugar for fuel, they're not burning fat for fuel, which is what you want to do. That's what our ancestors did. And all of a sudden, you've got anxiety or you've got mood swings, or you've got irritability, or you snapped at your kids and you don't know why you snapped at your kids. It wasn't a big deal what they did, but you snapped at them anyway, and now you feel guilty about it. All these things can be tied into just a blood sugar imbalance. It's the throwing the piece of paper on the fire to get it started versus throwing a giant log on the fire. Your avocados, your macadamias, your pastured meats, you know, these good sources of fats are the logs that you want your fire to burn with. So it burns steadily and it burns smoothly throughout the night, as opposed to you throwing a piece of paper on it, which is, you know, dried mangoes or pineapple. Those are delicious and go ahead if they're in season, but you don't want to depend on sugar and carbohydrates as your main fuel source, because when blood sugar balance goes up and down and up and down all day, the adrenal glands have to get involved. And the adrenals come in and say, hey, pancreas, why can't you keep up? And the pancreas says, well, there's just too much sugar in the diet, just not able to keep up with this demand. Can you help out? So what happens is the adrenal glands kick in. Now we're back to cortisol again. So now cortisol, noradrenaline, adrenaline are cranking up, and it's an emergency at this point to get blood sugar down. Then when blood sugar crashes to prevent you from passing out, What happens is the adrenal glands go in, they secrete more hormones to crank up the blood sugar and get it back up. So it sounds like chaos for me just to tell you that, and it is chaos internally. That's the nutritional stress component. Now, we could go into a whole talk, which uh, we could spend an hour just on the topic of glyphosate and pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and miticides and these various chemicals that are produced and used on non-organic food. If you're not eating 100% organic, make that your goal because glyphosate, even in parts per billion, so this is PPB, parts per billion, glyphosate can kill beneficial bacteria in the gut. And if we're disturbing the microbiome, that's internal stress. So that's part of the environmental component. 
So go organic, avoid chemicals, and you're going to be good there. This is why the diet's so important. So free of chemicals plus the component of having good fats in there. That's the nutritional part. The environmental part, we could go so deep into that. Plastics. I mean, we've got phthalates, which are pretty much everywhere. Plastic softeners. So if you're using any type of Tupperware, if you're reheating or storing or using plastic for your food, you want to throw that stuff out. You want to replace it with glass or stainless steel because these phthalates can mimic estrogen. That throws off hormone balance. Another source of stress right there. Uh, physical stress. This is inactivity. So not moving enough or moving too much. You know, I've had hundreds of CrossFit burnout victims that come to me after they joined the, what do they call it? Their box or something like that. I forget the lingo, but they join the CrossFit gym and they feel great. They love it. They're whipping a tired horse is what I call it. You know, they're already, uh, likely they've already got some adrenal issues before they start. They start pounding and doing their box jumps and their AMRAPs and all of those things. And they, they like it. They feel good at first because when you start to whip the adrenals, you can release some endorphins, but that's a very temporary thing. Just like doing opiates or other type of drugs, it's a temporary high and then you crash. And I've measured the adrenal results of people before and after doing uh, CrossFit sessions, you know, just within a few weeks of starting some type of situation like that. And the free cortisol just plummets. The body wasn't designed for that. The body's designed for running from a bear for a few minutes and you either run and you survive or you kill the bear and then you have a really good dinner and then everything goes back to peace and quiet for the other 99% of your life as opposed to being turned on all day. You're working, 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 and then you hit the gym. That's just too much stress in the bucket. So that's the physical component. Uh, set, you know, sedentary lifestyle. Obviously, that's a problem if you sit too much. I'm, I'm talking to you right now while standing, I'm kind of uh, trying to minimize my swaying back and forth so that my voice is uni in unison with the microphone. But I typically try to move around and twist my hips and flex my ankles and flex my butt and move my back and do all sorts of weird movements throughout the day just to keep my blood flowing. I try to take several walks throughout the day too. You know, they call sitting the new smoking. And there's plenty of research on that now, and it makes total sense when you're suppressing the the flow of your lymph and your blood. So movement is key. And what was the fourth one? It, it I, I talk about so many forms of stress. Emotional. Like, yeah. So emotional. Okay. So that one seems pretty self-explanatory on the surface, right? It's like, okay, I've got a bad girlfriend or a bad boyfriend or bad husband or bad wife. I just, I need to get rid of them. I haven't done it. Or you've got energy vampires. That was like one of the most viral YouTube videos I've ever done was about energy vampires. People said, oh my God, Evan, no one's talking about this. And I said, well, if I'm the only one, then that's a problem because- Everyone has been affected by energy vampires. You know them. You go into the room, you can sense that something's off, or you spend time around this person. Sometimes it's a boss. Sometimes it's a it's some type of fatherly or other type of figure in your life. Who knows who it is? You can sense it, and they bring your energy down. Those are energy vampires. So you got to separate yourself from those people. And then there's also subconscious emotional stress too. So if you had sexual abuse as a kid, or if you had alcohol abuse, that, or you were in a home where there was drugs uh, when you were a kid, if you take the ACE questionnaire, Adverse Childhood Experience, take the ACE questionnaire, look it up, look at your ACE score. If you're above a three or a four, that's significant emotional trauma that you've been through that's likely locked up in your nervous system, and that has to be addressed if you want to fully heal. So it might not, been, it might not have even been something that 
you had control over. You could have been three, four, five years old. And sometimes these events can disturb people for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And I teach a lot of my clients about utilizing emotional freedom technique, which is tapping, where you tap various acupressure meridians on the body, and then you say an affirmation. So it could be, um, even though I'm anxious, or even though I'm depressed, or even though I had such and such situation, I deeply love and accept myself. And at first, you may feel like you're faking it, but eventually, you do these affirmations and you repeat the exercises. And I had one woman, here's a cool story. She had just recently broke up with her boyfriend and she promised me she was over him. And she said, Evan, look, I'm not even stressed out about it. I'm not stressed. My job is good. Like everything's good. We get her adrenal test back and I say, well, you know, hormonally things are not looking too good. I said, are you sure you're not stressed about this guy? You said you guys have been together for like three years. You live together, et cetera. I said, I just, you know, said, I don't really believe you. I said, here's what I want you to do though. I want you to start tapping, do the emotional freedom technique and come up with an affirmation, figure out whichever affirmation you would like. And so we jump on the phone two weeks later and she goes, Evan, she goes, what did you do to me? And I said, well, what happened? And she said, so I started doing the tapping. She said, I didn't believe it. It seemed like woo woo at first. And she said, but within the third session of me doing it, I started bawling my eyes out. She said, I had the biggest emotional release I've had in probably a decade. She said, I had so much weight come off my shoulder. And I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. She goes, I had so much weight come off my shoulders. I couldn't believe it. She said, then the next day it transformed and it went from this emotional release to all this anger. She said, I felt like the Hulk and I could lift up a car. And I said, yeah, I said, repressed anger, repressed sadness, you know, all this stuff is coming out. I said, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And so she ended up sending me like an email follow-up. And she's like, Evan, this is just amazing. She goes, every day there was basically a new emotion. So I was guilty because I was working so much and I didn't have as much time with him. And then it was fear because he would get so angry at me. And um, then it was sadness because I had ditched some of my friends to be with this guy, even though I knew he was bringing me down. And so just every day there was like a new emotional breakthrough through. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I said, remember how you said you were over this guy and he didn't affect you. And we both could laugh about it, you know, after the situation. But this is the stuff that builds up this invisible stress bucket. We all have it, but we just aren't cognizant of it because we're so busy. We're hustling, we're grinding, we're making money and paying bills that we just brush this stuff off until we can't brush it off any longer. So I encourage people, if that bucket's full, and even if it's not full, you don't have to wait till it's full. I promise it'll save you a lot of money and a lot of time if you don't wait till you hit rock bottom and then you seek out a functional medicine practitioner like myself. If you address this stuff proactively, if your bucket's a third full or your bucket's a half full with these sources of stress, go ahead and start working on it now. Pull that stuff out. Don't wait till it overflows and you're going to be in a much better place. I literally can feel cortisol swimming through my veins. Like when I'm stressed, I can feel it. And I feel like this buzzing kind of vibrational energy buzzing through my cells. So for me, and I haven't always been able to identify that or to feel it. Like I would just kind of numb that with, you know, painkillers or some more sugar or some more alcohol. But uh, now that I am so deeply in tune with my body, I know when my cells are buzzing with stress and I know what I need to do 
to help myself and support myself to decrease my stress. But I would love to hear from you, like we've spoken about nutritional, environmental, physical, and emotional stress, but how does stress affect our mind, our mood, and our mojo? Great question. So we talked about the mind a bit. So I won't, I won't go too much further with, with the mind piece in terms of like the brain. People probably don't need to remember parts of their brain, the amygdala and the hippocampus. It's, it's good to know. It's good to know. But really, people want to know more about the emotional piece. So what happens is you start to deplete neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters, these are your brain chemicals. People commonly know serotonin, but often they don't know about GABA. That's the forgotten neurotransmitter. That's what I call it. GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. So when you talk about your nervous system, you've got your fight or flight, sympathetic, go, go, go. And then you've got the parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest nervous system. A lot of that has to do with optimal GABA production. Now, GABA is an amino acid that you can also, so it's a neurotransmitter that can be fueled by amino acids and is created from amino acids, which come from proteins in the diet. So this is why a lot of vegetarians and vegans that I've worked with, there's typically some mood issues going on very often anxiety and most of it's due to the lack of animal protein in the diet which therefore they don't have the raw amino acids in the right composition you can get some amino acids from plants but in supplemental you know you can supplement amino acids but it's very hard to to try to piece it together in the perfect ratio to optimize neurotransmitters so once you have the proteins in the diet that then feeds brain chemicals. Um, but back to your question, how does stress affect it? Stress depletes neurotransmitters across the board. So we could just go down the list. We could talk about serotonin. You know, if people have deficiencies, if their serotonin levels are too low or too high, you can have symptoms. So that's like negativity or depression or worry, anxiety, low self-esteem, obsessive thoughts like OCD, you know, obsessive behaviors, irritability, rage, panic, phobias, fibromyalgia even sometimes, you know, that's all tied into serotonin. When serotonin is optimal, you've got a sense of humor, you're optimistic, you're confident, you've got emotional flexibility. So that's all serotonin and that gets depleted commonly in stress. Now, when we talk about gut issues, my serotonin was extremely low because depending on what day of the week you read research, it used to be 80% of serotonin was made in the gut. Now it's something like 90 or 95%. It's crazy. The number just keeps going up. Probably soon we're going to say 100% of serotonin is made in the gut. And obviously, you know the stress gut link by now. Uh, so there's that. Now, endorphins, these are your natural painkillers. These can also get depleted during chronic stress. Symptoms, tear up and cry easily. So you're the type of person who if you watch a commercial or if you hear something, or hear a story, or there's just some situation that happens, you you just cry at the drop of a hat. You're crying, you don't know why, you feel like you're overreactive, you're a bit too sensitive. That's your endorphins. Those get depleted as well. Um, GABA, we talked about those. When GABA is depleted, it could be something as simple as like anxiety. So that's kind of the the mind mood piece. A lot of times when these neurotransmitters go down, sex drive goes down. Very, very common. I've had 25 and 30-year-old men and women that have sexual problems. They have sexual dysfunction. They can't orgasm or the men can't get erections. You know, obviously, there's many components to that, but that's how it can affect your mojo too because neurotransmitters and hormones get shut down because why would you want to ovulate or why would you want to have sex if you're running from a bear? 
That's the last thing you want to do. You want to conserve your resources. You want to conserve body fats. That's why excess body fat can happen. For me, I lost weight. Some people lose weight with chronic stress. Some people gain weight with chronic stress, just depending on your makeup. Um, So that's the sex drive piece. So GABA, you know, like I said, that's anxiety. That's stiff, intense muscles. You just can't relax. You have to eat to feel better. So if you're the type of person who you get hangry, you say, I'm going to kill somebody if I don't eat. And then you eat and then you're a different person. You've likely got some GABA problems. And those are the same people who they're going to go towards like a Valium or a Xanax or uh, sometimes tobacco, sweet starches. You know, they're going to go towards the foods that try to modify GABA levels. And we do this all the time, right? With caffeine and chocolate and uh, cocaine and and even meth and cannabis, you know, we're always trying to modify our neurotransmitters and self-medicate. We just don't realize what we're doing. But once you understand neurochemistry a bit, you can understand, wow, that person is probably deficient in GABA and serotonin, and therefore they're craving alcohol. And the more alcohol you drink, for example, the more you deplete these neurotransmitters. So this is why it's such a vicious cycle. Uh, I think that answers that question. I know that was a lot of information, but I hope that's that's helpful in terms of like a basic understanding of, of neurotransmitters and, and stress and how that whole system gets affected. Mm, it makes so much sense. Now, before we geek out on all the advanced stuff that we can be doing uh, to hack our stress and calm our nervous system, what are some of the basic therapies or uh, the basic fundamental things for busting stress? Like, what can we do today? I want everyone to be able to walk away and go, right, this is what I'm going to do. So, what are some of the basic things before we get into the advanced stuff? So I hit on yoga, love love yoga, huge fan. Flotation tanks, I'm a huge fan. For people that don't know what float tanks are, if they don't, uh, flotation tanks, it's a giant bathtub that has about a thousand pounds of Epsom salt dissolved into it. And so it's magnesium sulfate. You, absor- you absorb some of that transdermally, so that can help replenish magnesium deficiencies, that can help replenish those levels. I love float tanks. I haven't been able to float here recently. There's a couple centers in town. If you go on the website, flotation locations, type in your area. I'm sure you can find a float tank nearby. When you're in that environment, you're floating on the surface of the water. The temperature of the water is basically the skin receptor neutral temperature. What that means is you can't really feel the water after a period of time because the water and the skin are about the same temperature. You're floating in your own little private spa-like setting on the surface of the water. It's completely dark. You have no sense of gravity because you're floating on a 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt. And what happens is the amygdala and the adrenal glands start to realize, hey, look, we're not running from a bear. Everything's okay. And basically, the nervous system is allowed to shift into the parasympathetic mode. And this is what's responsible for inspiring creativity. And this is inspiration. And this is imagination. These are all the parts of the brain that people naturally have, but they get shut down and everyone gets stuck in what I call monkey mode. Just get through the day. I just have to get through another day, you know, the hustle. You don't want to live in the hustle all the time. You want to be able to be imaginative and creative. And so the float tank allows you to do that. And there's actual uh, research and literature on this. They call it rest therapy in the literature, but you can see that that just alone, the float tank can help normalize cortisol levels. So I'm a huge fan of it. I would highly recommend people look it up and try it. And if you're claustrophobic because you don't want to be in a tank, I promise 
you'll have no idea that you're in a tank. It's completely dark. You can't see anything. You can't feel anything. For all you know, you're floating in outer space. And it's an incredibly relaxing and, and therapeutic action. Uh, one of my friends named Kevin down in Austin, he actually owns a float tank center. And he's had many veterans come in there that start to float. And of course, you can't legally use the word cure if you're not a medical doc. But for lack of a better word, these people have basically been cured of their PTSD, where they would hear a loud sound and they would panic and think they're back in war. These guys go into these float tanks, and it basically rewires their brain and rewires their stress response. So if you had one thing to do and one thing to take away from today, it would be to seek one of those tanks out and go try it for an hour, 90 minutes, something like that. How often would you suggest someone does that? So Kevin, the owner of the float center, he actually did an experiment where he floated a hundred days in a row. He said he started to lose touch of reality and <laughs> I don't recommend a hundred days in a row. So once a week would be awesome. It's an investment, right? It's maybe $60, $70 US for an hour. And if you could afford it and you have the lifestyle that allows you to do it once a week, awesome. If you can only do it once a month, that's fine too. If you only can do it once every six months, that's fine too. But really, once a week would be awesome. Just like the, you know, that'd be a great dose for a massage too. Just enough to kind of hit the reset button. Now, it's kind of a transformative experience. I mean, I had a two and a half hour float session one time and I felt like I was reborn when I came out of that thing. And so I almost put it in the category of psychedelics. You know, sometimes one trip, one experience is all it really takes to blast open the door of perception and allow you to perceive yourself in a different way that could allow you to make a lifestyle change. You start thinking about that relationship that's bad. You start thinking about that boss or that job that you need to probably change. Maybe all you need is one time. Maybe you need more. And what else can we do besides yoga, which we can do every single day at home? I don't want anyone to give us any excuses. You can do 10 minutes on your bedroom floor in your underwear. You don't need to go to a class. You know, we all can do yoga anywhere. You don't need fancy equipment. I do it literally. I roll out of bed in my underwear and I just do 10 minutes of yoga on my bedroom floor every single morning. And I don't even roll out a mat sometimes. I just do it on the carpet. So everyone can do that. And then, you know, potentially looking at going and trying out a float tank once a once a week is a really great idea. Is there anything else? What are some of the other basic therapies or basic foundational things that we can do? Sure. I mean, we could probably go on for two hours on this, right? We could say, go for a walk, take your dog for a walk. You could lay and bask in the sunshine. Uh, sunshine is known to uh, basically crank up your natural endorphins and help to release nitric oxide so that you can feel relaxed and feel blissful. Uh, sunshine can help boost neurotransmitters too. There's some pretty cool literature on that. So you could just go lay on the beach or even if you don't have a beach, I don't have a beach. I'm landlocked here in Kentucky. Go lay in the front yard in the grass and soak up the sun for 10, 15 minutes. That also helps regulate cortisol rhythm. Um, go watch some comedy. Watch a comedy video. Uh, pet your dog if you play with pets. You know, pets are known to help normalize blood pressure, can help cortisol rhythms as well. So go pet a, go pet a, a fluffy dog. That could be fun. Go play with your cats. Uh, I've had some people that are clients that have chinchillas and other, you know, funny animals. So go play with them. Um, go to a zoo. Go look at some animals, you know, whatever you like, whatever you're into that, that helps you relax, something that allows you to shut off. If it's a funny movie at the theater, sure. Maybe a stressful war movie is not the best thing you could do. Uh, we talked about the massage a bit. So if you don't have the money or time or ability to go book a massage, 
If you have a friend, a partner, a spouse, somebody, you guys can trade massages, you know, things like that. There's playing with friends and family. I mean, that's isolation too. There's new research now that's saying that being socially isolated is as dangerous as smoking cigarettes. And so if you are socially isolated, I know sometimes, you know, depression and other mood and gut issues. And if you just don't feel well, the last thing you want to do is be social, but going and calling that person, calling your parents, your grandparents, calling a friend, calling somebody you haven't spoke with in a while, just have a good conversation. You know, that could be something that's going to put you in that relaxed flow state. Um, Just breathing, just being more aware of your breath, right? Focusing on belly breathing, breathing through your nose, not mouth breathing, not hyperventilating and over breathing like so many of us do. Uh, Infrared saunas, you know, that's a great option too. Even just a rock sauna could be great. Infrared tends to work a bit better or even a near infrared with the red, looks like a chicken coop, like a chicken heater bulb. Those could be good too. Uh, Essential oils are great. Peppermint, eucalyptus, lavender, you know, whatever essential oils you like, you could put some of those on. Use a carrier oil, put that on your wrist. Take a couple breaths of some lavender essential oil, put some on your pillow. Just an Epsom salt bath at home. Um, You could do a foot soak. You could go bird watching. I love to watch birds. I take a pair of binoculars, go to the park, go look for new bird species, take my book or take my phone with the app on it, go look for new bird species. Walking in nature. Super simple. If you don't have the beach, awesome. Maybe you've got the forest. Maybe you've got the mountains. Go for a walk in nature. Take some friends. Go by yourself. You've got meditation apps now. For people that just can't shut their brain off, you can listen to an app. I mean, Melissa, you see, I could just go on and on and on. (laughs) These are amazing. These are all absolutely amazing. And I've been taking notes. So there's some things that I'm going to investigate a little bit more of. I didn't really think about going to the zoo, so that's something I'm going to do. But let's totally geek out now. What are some of the more advanced biohacks, strategies, or therapies that you have used that have really helped with your stress? So I wrote a book. Uh, A publishing company hired me a few years ago to write a book on nootropics. Nootropics are essentially brain vitamins. Uh, The word nootropic, if anybody in the health space knows this, I guarantee everyone knows this listening, that the word nootropic has been abused and watered down and disrespected. And so many people claim that they're selling nootropics, which have a very sec- a very strict set of rules and, and regulations around them where they can't be toxic and there shouldn't be a level that you can overdose on them. You know, there's very strict standards for the word nootropic since it was coined. And now everyone says they're selling nootropics, but they're not. And so that's a bit disappointing because so many of these people are just cashing in on this, just like the whole keto thing. Or, uh, I mean, there, there's so many other buzzwords that people use now to try to sell products, which I'm not a huge fan of. But if they are respecting the true term nootropic, those are very valuable resources. Some of my favorites could be something very simple as paracetam. Paracetam There's a whole category of nootropics called Rastams, and these are various uh, nutrients that can help support brain function. I don't use these anymore. I used to use them. I don't need them anymore. My brain works so good now, I just don't need them. But paracetam could be a great option for someone that is trying to avoid going on medication for something like ADD or brain fog, and they just can't seem to get themselves out of a pattern, and they need a little mental boost. That could be a great option. You've got L-theanine. 
So L-theanine, it's an amino acid. It's found in green tea. L-theanine is found in much higher uh, amounts in matcha. So matcha tea, it's the same plant as green tea, but what they do is they shade the plant. So it's a little bit struggling, if you will, because of the lack of sunlight. And what that does is it increases the amount of antioxidants and it also increases the amount of L-theanine in there. And so as we talked about GABA before, you can use supplemental L-theanine by taking a capsule or a powder. You can drink matcha tea. That's going to elevate the levels of GABA in the body and in the brain. And all of a sudden, you feel more blissful. You have less anxiety, less stress, and you can really blunt the effects of cortisol with L-theanine. So that's another good one. You've got things that can help modulate your dopamine levels. So you've got L-tyrosine, really good amino acid. Tyrosine changed my life. Now, maybe not in the strict category of nootropics. So we'll branch out of nootropics a bit. Amino acids by themselves can be very powerful. A lady named Julia Ross, she's the pioneer of amino acid therapy. I've interviewed her several times for my podcast. She wrote the book called The Mood Cure, which I believe that book's probably 20, 25 years old now. Just learning about her work was instrumental for myself. And then, of course, I use that in my clinic now. Tyrosine is something that can help people if they've got like a lack of focus, a lack of drive, a lack of concentration, which could all stem from stress. Tyrosine can help you get you over that hump. It's not like coffee. It's not going to crank you up and make you feel overstimulated. It's just going to be like a nice, calm, focused energy. So if you stack, say, 500 milligrams of tyrosine with 100 to 200 milligrams of theanine, you've got a really good one-two punch combo that's going to help you feel good, calm, energetic, focused, positive. Now, you can start supporting uh, serotonin. So maybe mid-afternoon. Now, obviously, it's best to work with a functional medicine practitioner because when we start talking about modulating serotonin, if you're on SSRIs or SNRIs or some other type of MAOI inhibitor, you got to consult with a doc because you can cause serotonin syndrome. That's not good. So please don't mix pharmaceuticals and amino acids. That being said, you can look at using tryptophan. Uh, tryptophan is an amino acid that helps gets converted into 5-hydroxytryptophan that gets converted into serotonin with the help of vitamin B6. You can convert that over to melatonin so you can fix mood and sleep issues at the same time. So I'm a huge fan of tryptophan and or 5-HTP. And then you've got even even deeper uh, things that you can use which do have risk, but phenobit, it's called phenobit, phenogaba. They take the GABA molecule and they add a phenyl group to it, which makes it smaller and it allows it to cross the blood-brain barrier. So the blood-brain barrier, this is basically a protective mechanism that we evolved to have to protect our brain from toxins and chemicals and things that shouldn't enter the brain. Now we've, we're, we're smart and we've developed strategies of how to penetrate the blood-brain barrier to deliver nutrients directly to the brain. And so Phenobit, when you add that phenyl group to the GABA, you get GABA directly into the brain. And this can be really helpful for getting people to calm down, panic attacks, you know, anxiety disorders. Uh, There's some people that they've been so uh, struck with anxiety that they're bedridden. They're scared to leave the house. They can't go to the grocery store. They're calling me desperate. And sometimes we have to bring out the big guns, something like Finibit to help combat that stress response. And then within a couple of weeks, we can shut that brain down, shut the overreactive nervous system down and all of a sudden they've got their life back and, le- and they can leave their house again. Now, you've got neurofeedback as well. It's a great option. 
A friend of mine, Nora Gagoutis, I believe you had Nora on the show, didn't you, Melissa? Yes, I did. She was amazing. Yeah, Nora is awesome. So Nora, she's a huge fan of uh, neurofeedback, sometimes called biofeedback. And that's another great strategy. Now it takes 20, 30, 40 sessions. So it's you know quite an investment in terms of cost and time. But neurofeedback has, has changed many, many, many people I've worked with and recommended to. It's changed their lives. And basically what happens is you get hooked up to a machine where you monitor your brain waves. And just with thought and action and going through these fun games, you can basically rewire your own brain with no drugs needed. It's a very effective therapy because it basically shows you what your brain is doing and then you can change your thoughts and see how those thoughts change your neural pathways. So I would consider that an advanced strategy that's that's really helpful. And then, you know, I would consider psychedelics being another another therapy to help. There's been a lot of research going on at John Hopkins University with psilocybin specifically. So that's the active psychedelic compound found in medicinal mushrooms. And they're doing what they call uh, assisted psychotherapy, where they take a psychotherapist, a fully trained psychotherapist, they take a patient into you know a clinical setting, and they give them a small dose of psilocybin. And just based on some of the literature I've seen, 95 plus percent of these people rate their psilocybin experience as one of the top three to five most meaningful experiences in their entire life up there with the birth of a child, with uh, their their day of their wedding. You know, massive, massive, massive changes can be seen just in one session of the psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy. And uh, for me, you know, I'll be fully transparent. I don't know if I ever would have started my podcast. I don't know if I would would have ever ended up as a functional medicine practitioner and ended up on the journey that I'm on now if it weren't for my experience with psilocybin, it was the breakthrough for me to break out of what had been 15 years of depression. What I was able to do is I was able to have basically an out-of-body experience where I could look back at myself, which you can achieve that in some cases. Some people are, are gifted where you can achieve that through a very, very deep meditation session. You can basically come out of your body, almost like people talk about with near-death experiences, and you can view yourself. And I was able to basically come out of my body and v- look back at myself and realize what the hiccups were. What were the what were the traits in my personality that I could improve upon? Who were the people that, that were in my life that were uh, suppressing my creativity or being negative or saying that I couldn't achieve what I wanted to achieve or my ideas were silly or my ideas were stupid? I was able to basically look at myself and look at my life as an outsider And then when I was able to kind of zoom back in and get back into my body, I was able to say, look, I just saw the door. The door of perception was blasted open. I have the exact plan. And uh, when I did my uh, first psilocybin experience, I wrote down probably eight pages of notes of exactly everything that I needed to do in my life to get to the next level, to get to the next stage. And the unfortunate thing about the whole story is I wrote that in my BlackBerry. And about two weeks later, I was at the gym. And guess what? The phone got stolen. So who knows? I mean, I had I had some record of some of the things that I needed to implement, but who knows what I lost, you know, from that, I call it like a mass downloading that kind of happened to my brain. Who knows what I lost? But I implemented as much as I could remember and that experience changed the the whole the whole course of my future. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, that, that's another whole podcast, all of those advanced strategies, and I'd love to dive deeper into them. But I want to shift gears now and focus a little bit on you. I would love to hear what's one thing that's bringing you the most joy right now in your life? Oh, man, that's easy. So that's my daughter. Her name's Summer. She's 16 months, cute little uh, blonde, blonde hair, blue eyed girl. I mean, you see parents, right? You see people with kids from the outside and you're like, oh, those are cute. You know, maybe I'd like to be an uncle or an aunt and just go play with my niece and nephews. But when you actually become a parent, it it actually shifted me from, I wouldn't say I had a pessimistic mindset towards the world, but I just, I see a lot of issues. I mean, anybody who pays attention, you can tell that things aren't right. You know, we've got, we've got more plastic in the ocean than we do fish, We've got deforestation that's happening at record rates. We've got massive levels of uh, atmospheric pollution. We've got, you know, gas and diesel powered cars that are putting uh, MTBE and ETBE, which are gasoline additives that we added to the gas after we took out lead. I measure this stuff. I measure the chemical load. I measure the toxicity and thousands of people across the world, you know, every year. So I see the average person is very, very sick. And it's hard not to think, oh gosh, you know, how are we going to overcome all the the challenges we're up against? But, you know, since the birth of my daughter, it's really been a rebirth for me too. And it says, you know what, she's in this world and this is this is the reality. This is the current state of planet Earth. And I'm going to do my best to make this world a better place for her. So I'm going to encourage people, let's get away from chemicals. Let's, you know, try to avoid super dense urban areas where you're breathing in gasoline and diesel fumes. Let's try to make sure that we're resting. Let's make sure we're treating people fairly and let's be nice to each other and let's spread love and let's be positive towards others. Let's not try to... to uh, put other people down, you know, just simple things like that. And I just have so much more motivation. I've always had motivation to do that, but I have so much more motivation now because I see the way that society is headed and I don't like it. And I want my daughter, by the time she's she grows up and she's cognizant of her surroundings, I want her to be proud of of the way things are going. And so my, my goal is to dent the universe and I'm I'm doing that. You know, I've had over 6 million downloads of my podcast over the last five years. I've probably approached 10 million downloads. I have I stopped counting because I, I the number didn't matter. I just knew that, that it's working. So just by spreading the message and, and teaching people about health and, and how to control your health and how to seek out root cause medicine, like that's, that's what I'm doing. And that's what's bringing me the joy. And that's what's allowing me to, even despite seeing some negative stuff, in the world, that's what allows me to keep pushing forward. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you for the work that you do. Now, I'd love to hear what's one thing that you would like to improve or work on within yourself at the moment? I'm in the middle of implementing this, so I'm glad that uh, that I can be fully transparent here. So my wife and I, we lived in, we lived in a, a house that was in a very super dense urban area, nothing but the sound of trains and traffic and all that. So we moved out to the countryside. We were out in the countryside for a bit. Once again, we were near a major highway and we also had bad, 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 bad neighbors, Uh, very stressful people to be around. So we moved again. So now we're in a neighborhood now where when you look out of the windows, you look at houses, you're looking at someone else's garage or someone else's front door and you're just you were too we're too closed in and so my goal is to have more open space and more fresh air 
that's my that's my goal, something I'm wanting to work on. And so uh, my wife and I are currently building a house that's basically in the middle of the woods. We're surrounded by about 80 to 85 acres of forest. And I actually, it's pretty cool. There, There is an acre of pasture that I also purchased and I'm wanting to basically reforest that and kind of turn it into a food forest and have apples and berries and all sorts of, you know, cool plants and, and organic foods. And I actually bought some sequoia trees, some giant sequoia trees from California. And uh, I had those planted last week. So I'm basically creating as as much as I can the Garden of Eden. And therefore, I will be forced to get off my computer. You know, I'm, I'm so tied into the online matrix because of my job that I have to schedule my time. Like I have to schedule. I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to go for a hike in the woods. But if I move out to the middle of the woods, I'll be able to take the break. And instead of just taking my daughter down the sidewalk, we're just going to go run into the woods and go look at turkeys and go look at deer and raccoons and whoever, who knows what else we're going to see out there. Mm, That sounds so beautiful. I love that. It's my dream. I can't wait to have, I live in a very urban environment and I can't wait to have a bit more space. So I will come and visit you as soon as it's all ready. And you got to come down here and visit us too. Yeah. If you come to Kentucky, then we'll make it happen. And I don't have any, uh, any future dates to, to come to your side of the planet, but if I do, uh, you bet I'm going to call you. Yeah, awesome. Now let's pretend you have a magic wand and you can put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your books, let's pretend that they're already in the curriculum. What is one book that you would choose? Honestly, I probably, uh, I would pick Lights Out. So T.S. Wiley, she wrote a book called Lights Out. It's a game changer. And the book, I, I want to say, I want to say it's maybe 15, maybe even 20 years old. I can't recall. I interviewed T.S. Wiley too. It was so much fun interviewing her. But the book called Lights Out, it's all about, I believe the subtitle was something like Sleep, Sugar, and Survival. But it's basically a book that outlines how detrimental artificial light at night is and how it destroys your hormones and disrupts your circadian rhythm and stresses your nervous system. And I see so many kids, so many teenagers that are so addicted to their smartphones. And this is adults too, right? This is not, this is not just a teenager problem and I'm not blaming it on them, but if we could educate our youth about the detriment of being hooked on technology. And of course, technology is a beautiful thing. We're talking right now across the world. I love it. However, it's a double-edged sword. And that book is one that really eloquently, but also gives you down-to-earth strategies of how to mitigate modern living, yet while appealing and pleasing your ancient DNA, which expects a life of you living in the middle of the jungle and eating real food and moving all day and being barefoot and naked in the sunshine. You know, it's kind of a book that helps you to embrace your ancient roots while also teaching you how to live in the modern world. So lights out T.S. Wiley, go look it up. I guarantee you'll love it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to read that. So now I'd love to hear how your day looks. Do you have a morning routine? How does it look? And how do you prime yourself for the day? I'm obsessed with hearing about people's morning routines and how they set themselves up for success. So do you have one that you kind of regularly perform? I do. Yeah. And this routine changed obviously with the birth of my daughter. So now the weather's changing here. We're heading into winter. And so the, the schedule, the routine may change, but for right now, my daughter, she's so hooked on the morning walk 
that I've programmed programmed into her brain. We take the dog, I take her out in her stroller, and we head down for maybe a 10-15 minute walk in the morning. We get that bright light exposure, we get the sunshine in our eyes, no sunglasses, first thing in the morning, kind of sets the circadian rhythm, gets the fresh air going, gets the blood, gets the lymph moving. Uh, After I come in from the walk with her, not every day of the week, but several days a week, I'm going to do some matcha tea. So I'm going to do a half teaspoon of matcha powder Maybe, just depending on the day, maybe a small dose of some organic honey. You've got to do organic honey because new research has come out that tested hundreds of honey samples and apparently basically all honey is contaminated with glyphosate like we spoke about earlier. And so that's not good. Uh, So do a high quality honey or maybe a stevia or a monk fruit extract, add it to the matcha tea, drink that. I'll come upstairs Make sure I've got plenty and plenty and plenty of filtered water for the day so I can stay hydrated. So I've got a reverse osmosis system hooked up upstairs. If I need to fill that up, I'll fill that bad boy up. I've got a stand slash sit desk. So I'll likely stand up, try to stretch my legs a bit. And then I try to tackle a to-do list or make a to-do list of just two or three simple things that I need to do for the day. If I go straight to my inbox or if I go straight to social media, the day is not the same. The day is not as productive. So I really, really, really avoid the inbox. I avoid social media. In fact, I don't even have social media apps on my phone. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no social media apps, period, on my phone. My phone is literally just a communication device or used for reading or documenting notes or taking photos, things like that. It's just, it's not a social media tool for me. It used to be. Then I realized for me, you know, Instagram and all those things, I didn't notice like a massive difference in terms of helping podcast downloads and, and and stuff like that. So I just said, you know what, it's not worth the stress, not worth the investment for me. So I stopped doing it. Anyhow, once I avoid the the time suckers and the distraction makers, I set those two, three goals. So it could be do a podcast with Melissa. It could be make sure I reach out to this client and get them retested. It could be contact this new laboratory because I heard about a new lab that I need to be running on people. It could be check in with my distributors and make sure that we've got plenty of supply because I own a supplement company. So we got to make sure everything's stocked up so that our clients don't have back orders and everybody's able to get what they need to do. So once I handle the two, three things, then that's when I'll go into work mode, check the inbox and Typically, I take two, three breaks throughout the day, maybe 15, 20 minute breaks. If the weather's nice, I'll take my daughter back out. We'll go for a walk, go play in the front yard again. Pretty simple, pretty relaxed life. But once I once I get off and, and kind of break the flow state, I come back even more recharged. I used to just have this, you know, several years ago, I had this period where I would just go, 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 go. You're not as productive, I've noticed, if you do that. If you actually take breaks, you actually come back restored. Now, a lot of people talk about the Pomodoro technique. I tried it. didn't work for me. It was like, twenty what, 28 minutes on, 28 minutes off. It was some like timing thing. I, I didn't like it. It was, it, was, it was too unnatural. So for me, I just try to flow. And when the flow stops, okay, time to take a break. And then I revisit it. That's pretty much my morning. Yeah, that's great. I'm the same as you. I've tried the Pomodoro technique. I think it's 25, 25 on, 25 off. And for me, it was just like, it was distracting and breaking my flow. So I just focus on one task. Once I've done that task and I'm feeling restless, then I get up and I go and have a drink or, you know, change my state a little bit. So I would love to hear now, what are three things you're most recently grateful for? People are going to be like, Evan, you're such a sappy guy, but really (laughs) number one is my daughter. 
I mean, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's such a blessing to, to be a father and to be a parent. It's just, it's so fun. I'm super grateful for her. Uh, number two, I, I'd have to say that I'm, I'm grateful for my wife as well. I mean, how could I not include her in that? She's, you know, she's uh, staying at home with our daughter and she's taking care of her. She's enabling me to do things like this so I can be with you right now while she's giving the baby a bath, right? So I'm super grateful for her. Number three, I would say I'm grateful for, uh, I would say I'm grateful for the ability to breathe. I mean, I've talked with so many people, especially because we're kind of fall going into winter here in the U.S. I've talked with so many people the last few weeks that have come to me with bad allergy problems. They're on asthma medication, their conventional doctor or their ENT, their specialist just can't help them. All they do is they're throwing them on steroids and stronger and stronger antihistamines and pharmaceuticals. And for me, I'm just so grateful for my ability to breathe, but when I can help people and get them off their asthma drugs or get them off their inhalers and they're able to breathe again and know what it's like to have a full breath and not have you know, a, a scratchy throat or itchy eyes or there's no pain in their lungs when they breathe, it's like we, we take s simple stuff like that for granted until you have a problem with it. So that's my top three. Beautiful. I've got three little rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life, more abundance in all areas of our life? Honestly, I'd say you got to find a way to make more money. I mean, so many people talk about budgeting. It's like budget this. If you don't do Starbucks for 30 years, instead of doing a Starbucks every day, if you just don't do that for 30 years, you'll be a millionaire. It's like, I don't want to encourage people to, to live a life where they can't enjoy things. Life is too short. So for me, I say if you just make more money and spend, you know, you don't have to spend less, but make more than you spend, you're going to be good to go. If you've got a nine to five, look into a side hustle. I mean, for me, you know, I was an entrepreneur since I was literally in sixth grade. When I was in sixth grade, I was going to Sam's Club, which is like a big wholesale grocery company, and I was buying different snacks. Say I'd buy, uh, let's just say I was buying um, a Cheetos or some type of hot fries or some other type of like a, a processed food. I buy it for 50 cents and then, then you just resell it for retail price for a dollar at school. And so I started out, I was literally an entrepreneur since sixth grade. And then I moved up into selling iPhones. I used to sell uh, phones to people. You know, when iPhones first came out, that was a hot item and people would sell them for 50 or a hundred dollars, but the actual retail price was three or 400. And so that was great. So if you've got a side hustle, you've got some other entrepreneurial venture that you can do something that you can do to earn an extra hundred dollars a week or an extra hundred dollars a day, or even an extra hundred dollars a month, that stuff can really add up. And maybe eventually your side hustle, your side income can it, maybe it'll just supplement, but maybe eventually it could either match or replace your main source of income. So I'm a huge, a huge fan of diversity, diver diversifying your income strategies and not just putting all of your eggs into one basket. I mean, you know, for some people, if they get laid off or they lose their job, that's, that's it. That's the end of it. So I would highly recommend looking into ways you can have multiple, multiple income strategies. If you have three, five, 10 income streams, that's great. So if one thing gets cut off, you're still going to be okay. Mm, great advice. And I totally agree. Now, in your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do for our health today? I would say you really need to sit down and do a good self-check 
a good self-evaluation. Now, obviously, I'm biased. People are going to say I'm biased because I say you need to go get tested. Go test your hormones. Go run a comprehensive gut panel. Look for parasites. Look for infections. Even if you don't do the functional medicine piece, that's fine. Just do a good self-checkup. Sit with yourself, preferably in a quiet a quiet spot. If you need to put on some meditation or like some nice, calm, new age yoga music, that's fine too. If you need to, you know, uh, do some essential oils first and get yourself into the zone, that's okay. But I want you to just do a good checkup on yourself and just say, Evan or Sarah or John or, you know, whatever your name is, how are you? And just ask yourself the question, how are you? Are you truly enjoying life are you truly enjoying the chapter of your life that you're in right now? And the answer is going to come back immediately and you're going to say, oh, and you got to be honest because this, this, this will not work if you're not honest. But if you're honest with yourself, you're going to say, you know what? No, everything's not all right right now. I'm stressed about this or I'm burned out or I really need a vacation or, you know, this thing is on my plate and I don't want it to be on my plate. Maybe I can change the deadline of this project that's stressing me out. Maybe... I can have a conversation with this person that I know I need to have the conversation with, but I've been putting it off, but we've got this unresolved issue and we probably need to squash it because this is just weighing me down every day. I know she's upset. I know he's upset. We've just got to fix it. So I'm going to have to make the phone call. Just sit down and do a good self-checkup. And there's some things that are going to pop up and that's okay. Just trust it, trust the process and then make a list. Okay. I'm going to have to call her. I'm going to try to move this deadline. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to tell them I'm sorry. I'm going to get back onto my supplement protocol. I'm going to make sure I stay away from gluten and dairy for the next 30 days. I'm going to make sure I go to bed by 10 o'clock. I'm going to make sure I get up and I don't have negative self-talk. I'm going to stop shaming myself and saying that I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm this. Tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say I'm beautiful. I'm going to say I love myself. I am going to love myself. And if you implement that and you do that and you do that check-in, I believe you're going to be setting a new chapter. You're going to be closing the current chapter. You're going to be opening a new chapter, which could have limitless possibility for you. I love that. And finally, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? You have to give it to get it. I mean, so many people want love. It's like, I want to be loved. I wasn't loved as a kid or I never felt enough love from my parents. And you, you hear all these stories and it's like, well, how much love are you giving? It's like, if you're not giving, you're not going to get. And so well, I tell people do the eight, eight rule, the 88 rule, eight hugs, eight kisses a day. So if you got a spouse, you got a boyfriend, you've got a girlfriend today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever, eight hugs and eight kisses per day. And if you have to count them and you have to be like a logistical person, you've got to count, okay, we've had three, we've got to have five more. Okay, that's fine. But eight hugs, eight kisses, do it every single day. If you don't have a person, do it with a pet. Kiss your dog, hug your dog, hug your cat. It doesn't matter. But find something, even if it's a tree. I love trees. Go hug a tree, go kiss a tree. Eight times a day. I say the 888 rule, really. Eight hugs, eight kisses, and for eight seconds. So when you do your hugs, don't just do a quick hug where you're kind of awkward and you just pat somebody a little bit like, oh, hey, nice to see you. And you kind of awkwardly pat them. No, really hug, embrace that person, hold them for eight seconds. It may even feel awkward. You're like, oh my gosh, this is the longest hug of my life. That's okay. Do it. Eight seconds. 
there's literature on it. I won't bore you with the literature, but there's literature that shows that you can start releasing oxytocin and normalizing neurotransmitters and such just with physical touch. We are a touch-deprived planet. People are so hyper-connected with technology, but we've lost touch. I'm a hugging person. So, Melissa, if you and I ever see each other in person, I'm going to hug you. I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to... Uh, emanate a, a positive, a loving, a loving vibe from my body, every cell of my body. I'm just going to say, here I am. And if you just are enthusiastic about that, giving your full love, you're, you're thinking of love, you're embracing it, you're hugging people, you're just feeling it. To me, that's how you're going to get more love. Mm, absolutely. I'm a massive hugger and I'm, I'm very touchy feely as well. So anyone who ever sees me in the street, feel free to come up and give me the biggest, juiciest bear hug ever. And I'm talking the real good ones, not this, like you said, not this little pat on the back business. Like what is that? Seriously, like get in there and get right heart to heart connection. That's what I'm talking about. So I have one more question for you. What is one thing that I personally and the listeners today can do to serve you? How can we serve you today? Man, if you want me to be blunt and honest here, Melissa, I would say go check out my podcast. And if you like it, go review my podcast on iTunes. As you know, reviews are so important. I want to continue to beat people out like Jillian Michaels and some of these other like celebrity nutritionists who are promoting low fat diets to people and eating 100 calorie pretzel packs and 100 calorie Oreo snacks and more exercise and less calories and this whole dogma that's just killing people. I want to continue to beat people out like that. And the way that we beat people with podcasting is we have ratings. And so when you review people's podcasts like Melissa's or mine, that allows us to go up in the ranking system and then we can beat those people out. So I don't think we're going to be able to necessarily shut those people down. Their voices will continue, but if we just drown them out with real sensical, actionable advice that actually helps people, and we have this grassroots movement that is continuing to grow about holistic health and true health and happiness and all of that, I believe we're going to be able to make a huge dent in the universe and really help the population as a whole. So check it out. Same thing for Melissa. Give her a review too. Yeah, that's it's so true. It, and it allows us to get on more amazing people. You know, it's it's so important. So check out Evan's podcast. It's awesome. My husband and I are absolutely obsessed with it. We actually first discovered you, I think, through our mutual friend, Daniel Vitalis, who's also been on the show. And uh, my husband since then devoured most of your podcasts. I think, no, not all of them, <laughs> but he he just went on a Evan rampage and um, listened to as many as he could. So we love your work. So thank you so much. And I just wanted to thank you for your time. Thank you for all of this wisdom and knowledge. It is so important. You know, I see so many people so stressed and I see what it's doing to them. And that is why I wanted to have you on to talk about this today, because it is imperative that we start to take this stuff seriously and we really implement some of the strategies that we've spoken about. So I just want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for being here and giving us your time and your knowledge and your wisdom. It's totally my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope it's been helpful for people. So if you're struggling, 
know that there are solutions. There's likely root causes that you just need to investigate. So whether it's me, whether it's another functional medicine practitioner from around the world, seek out help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There's people out there that will lend you a hand. So when you get down, when you get out on your luck and you feel like it's all over, it's not, it's not, it's not. Keep pushing through. There are solutions. So hang in there and stay optimistic. I promise things will get better. So Melissa, thank you for having me. I'm glad you and your husband enjoy my podcast. And yeah, Daniel's a great guy. We did a whole show uh, all about parasites for for him and, and his audience. They're still emailing like, oh my God, I had no idea. And now all these people are getting tested and we're finding infections and people just can't believe it. So yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and I appreciate the feedback. Well, I'll link to that in the show notes so people can go and listen to it. So thank you again and uh, we'll chat soon. Take care. That was so amazing. There were so many great reminders and new things that I'm going to implement. I'm definitely thinking a regular float tank is a must. What about you guys? I would love to hear some of the things that you want to implement. So leave me a comment in the show notes and let me know some of the stress busting things that you're going to do. So I got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Evan and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 48. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Also, just a reminder that you can now pre-order my next book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex. And if you pre-order before December 18, you can get your hands on some epic bonuses that you do not want to miss out on. So just head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your hands on those bonuses and to pre-order my book. Also tickets for the open wide tour that I'll be doing with my husband in January and February are now available and they're selling so fast. So head to nickandmelissa.com to get your tickets today. So thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself possible and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, I think everyone could, please share it with them right now. You can screenshot this episode, share it on your social media or forward it to them on email, do whatever you've got to do to get this episode into their ears. And until Until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.